well, I'm just Wendy Joe. I mean, <laughs> you know, I am a very authentic person. So what you see in front of me right now, like right here, this is who I am. You ever have so many questions and no one to ask, so they're just wasting away on Google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so. We had that same problem, and that's why we created the RD to be podcast, a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have. We are students Macy and Emily and registered dietitian Carl Barnes. We engage in conversations and learn from RDs. Join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country. Welcome back to another week of the RD2B podcast. I'm your registered dietitian host, Carl Barnes. This is our weekly podcast where we sit down with a different awesome registered dietitian uh, to dismantle the notion of there being a traditional career path and really showcase the diversity of opportunity in the profession. Um, on that note, someone who very early in my career in undergrad inspired, inspired me and was one of the few first few dietitians to show me that truly the sky is the limit in terms of what you can do as an RD, uh, we're sitting with Wendy Joe Peterson here today. So thank you so much for being here. If you can let us know a little bit about you and then Emily's got some, some awesome questions for you. Thanks. Yes, I know actually based off of Emily's questions, I feel like it will cover the gamut, but I'm a registered dietitian in Southern California. I've been practicing since 2000 um, or 2001 actually. And I love our our career. I love the path that you can take. It's definitely like you had said, sky is the limit. I feel like if you allow yourself to morph and go with the flow of where your passion is and you follow that, it can really lead you to some cool opportunities. I mean, living in America in general has a lot of vast opportunities for people from all walks of life, which is cool. And so I feel like I've taken advantage of that in a, the best possible way. And I have no complaints about the path I've taken. So thanks for having me on. Great. So I guess I can start with what uh, made you want to decide to write cookbooks as a dietitian? Well, interestingly, when I first decided to pursue nutrition as a career path, I really wanted to do more of the culinary side. And the hours as a chef stink. And so I really didn't want to work, you know, I'm just not, I'm a morning person. I'm, I'm flat out. Like we go to bed at like seven 30, eight o'clock at our house and we get up like at five 30 without, you know, alarms. And so I always have been that way, even when I was in high school. And so when I looked at the chef requirements, it was a lot of late nights. And so that really was not appealing to me. But I always kept in the back of my mind the culinary side. And then when I went into the program at SDSU, initially at San Diego State University, we had a heavy, heavy food science component because we had a really rad professor, Dr. Josephson, who had a stout, he wasn't an RD, but he had a stout food science background. And so I always kind of kept that in the peripheral of, of where I wanted to be. And interestingly, one of my interns years later found in my, you know, when you leave school and you write out what your goals are. So my 10-year goal list was to write a cookbook. Um, and I hit it, which was great. It's, I always believe in that idea. Like if you write it out, 
if you put it down on paper, you're throwing it into the universe versus keeping it, you know, this like these little ideas in our head and you never share it with anybody. I feel like if you share it, you have a greater chance of having it come into fruition. So what does that process look like? Become like to go into the cookbook realm? Yes. So there's a lot of different pathways to take. I think, um, one, if you're really interested in the culinary component is to really craft and hone your culinary skills. You know, some people have it innately. I, I definitely feel very comfortable and confident in the kitchen. I've always been comfortable and confident in the kitchen, even more so than my parents. So I definitely, yes, I got a little bit from them, but I, I love experimenting in the kitchen. It's fun. It's it's fantastic. I love cultural foods from wherever we travel, we eat. So hone in on those skills, experience food and be with food. If you're really interested in it, you can also consider starting a blog. Blogs are a great path to enter, especially if you kind of can create your own niche in a blog, but it also allows you to hone your writing skills. Then from there, so that's like, say you're like a student and you're just kind of starting in that path. From there, once you become a dietitian, or if you, if you don't even choose the dietitian path and you just go through the culinary side, you can reach out to magazines and start writing for magazines or seeing if you can get, in your, get your pieces in and develop it that way. Um, I've done a ton of writing for different magazines, uh, mostly Taste of Home. I've, I've really written consistently with Taste of Home magazine, but there's a lot of different pathways in that regard. Um, what I have also, what I would want to caution people is that there are publishing houses that seek people out who they, they kind of see, oh, they're interested in this. Let me offer them a deal and they'll sell it to you like it's a really good deal but it's not it's what I would call borderline abuse of our profession and I and I feel this way in a lot of aspects of even just as a dietitian right we don't get paid enough of our worth and so I have definitely seen in recent years because cookbooks sell it, they have great longevity on a shelf so they sell um some publishers will reach out and offer people three to $5,000 to write a book without royalties. And that's not a good deal at all. It's just not, I, it may sound lucrative from a blind eye that you just don't have that experience in that. But I'll tell you, um, royalties are where books pay out long-term. So Right, we're not going to become millionaires writing a book unless you're an amazing national bestseller. You have an HDTV show, yada yada yada. You're, it's just not. I mean, even books that have done well, even with people who have Food Network shows, it's not what's going to make you a millionaire. Okay, so it's the idea of kind of this is my path. This is what I love, creating continuity, building up. But then you have this royalty that just keeps paying every you know year you get checks so it's work and money that just continues to grow which is great I think that's the part where people don't get and then the other part of writing books too is that you can then leverage it 
for speaking gigs. So if you really love speaking, having a book elevates your charge for speaking. And I mean, speaking, you can get anywhere between, I mean, like the low end, like a thousand dollars to, you know, 15, 20,000 per talk. And so it's, the more books you have, the greater your leverage is to get a higher speaking gig. Um, so it's good too. I mean, it just adds to your credibility, which is fun. I just love writing cookbooks. I love sharing recipes. And so I started blogging and from my blog, I caught the attention of four dummies because I write in a very user-friendly low elemental way to kind of reach the audience that is my target audience. And they asked me to write a book with another dietitian. And so Mary Raffetto and I wrote Mediterranean Diet Cookbook for Dummies. This was in 2011. Uh, that was a great experience, a great experience. And it was probably the hardest book I've had to write because it was my first. Mm -hmm. And so I was so meticulous and testing all of my recipes. You know, I'm also one of those people who just goes into the kitchen, opens up the pantry and throws something together. So with recipe writing, just like with HACCP and any other, you know, skill, you have to be exact, right? Because I want someone to be able to pick up my four dummies books and make the recipe the exact same way I did. Definitely. So yeah, so it's fun, you know, as we go about doing this and you, I mean, for that book, I think I tested 165 recipes. There was one day I made 13 heads of garlic just in a single day. <laughs> it was crazy. I think I did 17 recipes that day. Wow. Testing. Yeah, just testing, like making and testing them. It was super fun though. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there, there are many different pathways that you can take. But the biggest thing is, is, is it, are you passionate about it? Do you love cooking? Do you love writing? Can you deliver this message? You don't even have to do cookbooks per se. You can go into YouTube. Um, I don't really recommend TikTok. I think it's going to be short-lived, but that's just me and my old school mindset. I think YouTube is going to stay a little bit longer. People like videos. Um, yes, short and sweet is catchy, but I think People really do appreciate the longer ones. And you can then move into online curriculum building where mm -hmm. you're actually teaching classes for different form, like different, um, what am I trying to say? The programs that they have out there that you can actually sell your classes. And mm -hmm. so then you can kind of create that. That's another way that I've seen some people really get into and cash in on that. So great. So I also know that you've moved around a lot in your career, whether it's traveling or I know you're a military spouse. Um, yeah. So what is the most uh, challenging part about having to move around so frequently being a dietitian? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're inflexible, if you have a hard time with change, uh, moving can be really stifling and set you back. I've always looked at it as a way to reinvent myself, a way to recreate something or make it better, an excuse 
to make it better. Um, so when I first, we had a big major move right after college, and this was the start of distance internships. And so I had to really go out, put myself out there and solicit to dietitians I'd never met in Virginia, because that's where we were living at. The, we just moved to Virginia and meet with people and say, hi, you know, I'm Wendy Jo Peterson. I would love to be an intern at your facility. These are things that I'm capable of doing. You know, really had to upsell myself because these are people who don't know dietitians that I've you know, imparted positive feelings on just because they were my professors or local dietitians in the San Diego area. Mm -hmm. They didn't know me from Adam. And so, yeah, it was, that was challenging to try to, to do that, but I'm really glad I did. Um, clearly I don't have a shy bone in my body. I put myself out there. No problem. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's an asset, not a fault. And I remember thinking for a long time that it was a fault. And I, this is where I get really upset with people for making kids feel bad for being talkers or whatever, being loud. Um, it can serve you well. My grandfather was a Toastmaster, like an epic Toastmaster. And he always said, you need to learn how to deliver a speech. You need to learn how to get in front of people. And I'm thankful for that because mm -hmm. it got my foot in the door. I didn't like the jobs um, after I became a diet, after I went through my internship, I didn't love the jobs. I thought the jobs were terrible. Actually, they were terrible. One of the, my first jobs that I interviewed for which I still can't to this day believe that a dietitian actually interviewed me for this job and thought that this was acceptable. It was to offer me $15 an hour. And that was me running a bariatric facility between two different hospitals, not paying me for my travel. And the hospital was 45 minutes away. And then the next one was 15 minutes away and they weren't going to reimburse me for travel. And so I was going to be running, yeah, oh, it was awful. And I literally laughed. I, I mean, this is when I have to kick myself, but I laughed in the interview. I said, you've got to be kidding me, right? This is a joke. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, you can call me when you have lost your dietitian because there's no way you're going to retain somebody at that pay. No way. Yeah. Sure enough, seven months later, they called and they're like, are you interested? And I'm like, nope, sorry, that ship sailed. Like, it was absurd. I mean, I knew how much money they were making at a bariatric facility. I knew what the doctors were taking home. Are you kidding me that you can't even, I mean, such an important role as being a dietitian in that facility. It was awful. So, but to my advantage, right? There's always a plan behind it. And I am a definite, I definitely have faith and I believe in a hand to guide me. And from that, I called my mom and I was like, oh, this is awful. And she said, well, have you just thought about teaching? And I'm like, no. <laughs> she said, well, that's a great way to get to know the community, to know the people around you. Why don't you just go sub? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go substitute. Well, sure enough, I started subbing and I got a long-term sub position as a foods teacher at a local high school. The principal loved me and loved my approach and offered me a full-time job. And so I got to do a, a professional licensure. And so I took nine graduate, or was it nine graduate credits 
And then they offered me like to pay for my finishing my graduate degree there through the, through the schools, their school system out in Virginia was fantastic for paying for people. Um, so I ended up taking a full-time job and I taught for five years there and I loved it. I taught culinary arts, um, the competitive side of it, as well as the basic side of it. And it was all the things that we learn in food science, right? Just the fun of it. And it was, it was fun because I approached it like an Alton Brown, you know, let's make it food science, not cooking. So then I collaborated with the chemistry teacher. I collaborated with the stats teacher. I collaborated with the arts teachers. And we just, one, shone light on different aspects of the culinary side, um, as well as how it's a science, not just a Betty, Home, you know, Betty Homecker kind of thing. And then also the artistic side. So I had numerous students who ended up going to, who were art students who ended up taking my class and then going on to culinary arts school and becoming pastry chefs, amazing pastry chefs. And I have five students who have since become dietitians. You know, it's just, it's amazing. And the school that I taught at actually, I was the liaison for our local um, and state level dietitian for, for public policy. So I was able to take a group of students up to DC to do a public policy, high school students to get active and understand nutrition public policy at the Capitol level. And the school paid for it. It was so rewarding. I mean, I, it's probably my favorite part of my career as a dietitian. I know it sounds so silly, but I really loved how positively you can impact students at the high school level, right? Because eating disorders runs rampant, a disordered perspective around food runs rampant. And if you love food and you cherish it and you show how to intuitively approach it, it's an amazing reward that you get from these students. That was cool. Most definitely. So I feel like a lot of dietetic students tend to be a little bit more reserved, a little quiet and type A. So what advice would you have for those students to, you know, break out, enjoy public speaking, get in that, you know, um, get in that mindset that public speaking isn't necessarily that terrifying and also realizing that not everything has to be so cookie cutter. Yeah, so one of the things that I always make interns who work with me do, they need to go join Toastmasters. And you can try it out. You can try different Toastmasters. They're all over the United States. But it's a good way if you're not a developed speaker to learn how to find your voice in speaking because they run you through the gamut of different talks and how to deliver them based off of what your audience is. And it gives you an area to practice in a safe environment. If you are more like me and you really just love being in front of an audience and you just shine the, the moment you stand up, I recommend National Speakers Association instead. Um, and I do, I mean, I think we do have a lot of quiet, timid professionals, but I think the I think in general, we do our students a disservice by kind of making people not feel as much as confident in what you're saying, like not, you have to question everything. Well, is it, is it? And then you all of a sudden start to second guess yourself. So you really need to find your ability to say, no, I know what I'm talking about. I, you know, I read this research. I've read this research. I have enough information to go forward. And that confidence will serve you well, no matter where you're going into. If you go clinical, 
it's going to serve you well. If you go into food service, it'll serve you well. If you go into private practice, if you, you know, I was in private practice for years, having to call people and say, okay, well, I'm about to send your bill to collectors because you haven't paid. Having the confidence to be able to do that and said, instead of the idea of like, oh, well, maybe they'll pay. You, you've got to develop that confidence. You've got to develop that skill of getting in front of people and and being assertive, not aggressive, but assertive and, and owning your voice. Highly recommend Toastmasters. I think that's a, a great jumping point for people to do that. Um, I don't recommend just going around and giving free talks. I don't think, I, one, I think you undervalue yourself, your knowledge base. Two, I feel like also the people who are getting a free talk aren't valuing your service. And I think it's a, it's a bad cycle. I mean, even if you get paid 150 to do it, fine. But you need to feel value in what you're doing in order to deliver something of value. What kind of advice, I mean, I know you talked about uh, Toastmasters and stuff like that, but is there anything, like any other websites or, you know, classes that, you, that you've taken or that you've recommended to students to do to not only, you know, enhance their public speaking, but just their interpersonal skills as well? I mean, I'm trying to think back to like classes and stuff. I mean, you could get into, if you're at the university level, you know, you could look at some of the theater programs, public speaking, taking advantage of those classes. Um, I Sometimes I feel like those can be a bit more intimidating because you're around your peers. The nice thing around Toastmasters is that it's often vast age differences, oftentimes a lot of older individuals. And I find that most of the students I've worked with felt more confident going there because they were young and they were delivering to an older crowd. And so they knew what they were talking about and so they could deliver it that way. Um, and it's usually really inexpensive much cheaper than a college class to join Toastmasters. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it is. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is just to keep practicing, getting up, standing up and practicing, just like writing, right? When, when we're writing our thesis, right? We, it, the recommendation is write five minutes every day, five minutes every day, write. Same with speaking you know, five minutes every day, get in front of the camera and record yourself speaking, engage with a make-believe audience, um, watch, watch people who do it well. There's so many Instagram and TikTok people that captivate and capture an audience and do it well, even just picking up some of those nuances, those craft skills that they have uh, is a great way to do it. I feel like there are some programs out there, but I also feel like in a lot of ways, some of them scalp other dietitians, like they scalp, it's so expensive, they, they make it unaffordable. And I, you don't have to go and spend a lot of money to get this craft honed down. You don't have to. Um, that's the reason why I recommend Toastmasters because I think it's like 35 a year or something crazy. It's, it's cheap. Um, and it's accessible because it's everywhere in the United States. I mean, I, I, my grandfather's from Ohio in the middle of nowhere and he was big in it. So it's, it's accessible. I mean, I think here around in San Diego, I mean, I think we have like 
five or eight different wow. locations where they have them, like meetings. So it's something that people can do. And I'm not, I don't work for them. I'm not even affiliated with them. I just know that it's a good program and it, it does help people craft their skill as well as get out of their box, out of their shell. So I guess my final question is, what do you think makes Wendy Jo Peterson, Wendy Jo Peterson? Oh, hmm. well, I'm just Wendy Jo. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I am a very authentic person. So what you see in front of me right now, like right here, this is who I am. Um, I'm not very good at being somebody else. And I'm fortunate for that because uh, authenticity definitely helps pave the way for, you know, your, where you're moving forward. I, it's fun to look and watch somebody else doing what they're doing and think, oh, that would be cool. But if it doesn't slice against the grain with you, like if it's not smooth as butter, then it's probably not your fit and you, you find your fit. You know, it's for me, I've had so much change and so much evolution of who I am as a human, but also too, as a professional, uh, that I finally figured out, you know, which area it is, you know, and I like the food photography side, which I'm big into now. I like the cookbook writing side, you know, but at the end of the day too, I'm a mom, I have a lab, I'm a military spouse of near 30 years, can't, can't separate that from myself. Um, but, and I love being a dietitian. I mean, I do, I love being a foodie dietitian and a, an anti-diet dietitian. I, I love that realm and where we're moving into that scope, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's who Just Wendy Joe is. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us today from beautiful California.